Welcome to the Eastern Current Saltwater Fishing Podcast presented by Outdoors by Owner. OBO helps the outdoorsmen find the perfect home to rent for their next outdoor pursuit. Whether you're looking for a house right on the shallow water flats of Florida Bay with world-class sight fishing right out your back door, or you want to find a weekend mountain getaway for you and your family, OBO has the house for you. To check out all their incredible properties, visit go-obo.com. On today's podcast, Captain Ozzy and Captain Judd discuss the new potential speckled trout regulations and limits, as well as cover a wide variety of late summer and early fall topics. Hope you all enjoy. I've teamed up with Florida Fishing Products to outfit my guide service with their spinning reels, braided line, and fluorocarbon leader, and I'm looking forward to giving you some real-world feedback on their gear. I've been enjoying their Osprey CE for all my light tackle, redfish, and speckled trout, and Resolute for my beefier setups for big reds, cobia, tarpon, and jacks. I'm looking forward to helping further their mission to equip anglers to fish better, which couldn't align closer with our values here at Eastern Current. Be sure to check out their website, floridafishingproducts.com, or ask about them at your local tackle shop. Temple Fork Outfitters is the rod of choice for all of us here at Eastern Current. Whether we're fly fishing for shallow water redfish, sight casting to cobia from a tower, or dropping live pinfish to grouper in 100 feet of water, they have the rod for the job. Their customer service is unmatched by any rod company out there, and their rods can take the beating of everyday guide use without any issues. My favorite rod for redfish and speckled trout is their 7-foot medium-light tactical inshore spin rod. Be sure to check out their website, tforods.com. Ozzy, the man, the myth, the legend, what's up? What's happening, buddy? How are you this morning? Well, it's a rain day. Started firing out some texts this morning, and we're recording some podcasts. It's been a blessing, man. Like, even with all the thunderstorms and everything, there's been very few, like, weather days in the past two months, at least for yeah, myself. I agree. There's, there's, we've had a, I would say we've had a pretty wet, um, I just realized I'm talking into my phone with my earphones in. Let me put this down. Um, <laughs> that's not necessary. That's that it's been might a be pretty overkill. wet summer. Overkill. <laughs> I got to make sure you can hear me. Oh, we got you loud and clear. Um, <laughs> uh, it's been a wet summer. Uh, I've said that a couple times, but um, I feel like every day that it's rained, there's been a window to, to go get it done. Um, five and six hour windows even if it rains the rest of the time so yeah we have been we've been fortunate to um to squeeze in i, I just counted up the other day i don't really i haven't had that many trips i had been like you know I, I, we got a chance to it um so yeah super blessed to, to have what we've had so far a little windy this week though it's been a little breezier. Um, there was a good little little window. Like when I saw you yesterday, there was like a nice little pocket of no wind for a little while right there, it felt like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Dude, where you saw me yesterday, Yeah. Um, there was just this random school of big Spanish in the middle of the waterway. That's always so um, nice. And I'm bad about passing them by. I'm like, that was just one, one jump, one sky. And I saw one. I was like, that was cool. Big one. Saw another one. Okay, one more time, and I'm stopping. And sure enough, um, another one. Then they were like pushing bait up on this little shallow sandbar. I don't think I've ever seen Spanish like corral bait into the shallows like dolphins do. It was, it was really cool. When 
when you saw me yesterday. It yeah, just that ended when you passed me. That's like been, I feel like that's been my, the story of my life lately here. The, the bite just kind of tapers off right when I get there. <laughs> so yeah, I needed, I needed that yesterday. Yeah, it, dude, that's always so nice on a trip, especially when you got people that haven't ever seen that before. It's so cool to see those Spanish skying out and little glass minnows flying everywhere. But so yeah. today, what Ozzy and I are going to do, we're going to try a little Q&A. We don't have any pre-rigged questions, pre-set up questions. We're going to just flow and kind of Q&A each other, you know, some some fishing topic questions, um, just some questions that we might have for each other about opinions of things and um and just go from there. I think it'll be a cool podcast. So it's like a self-served Q and A here, not soft-served, but self-served. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start I'm gonna start with asking Ozzy a question. He, this one just popped in my head, and you can say pass. That's part of this game. If you don't want to get into it, you can pass it. But what do you think about the talk of the speckled trout being dropped to two fish? What's your opinion? What would the perfect fix be for you as far as limits and kill regulations and everything for speckled trout? Um, yeah, that's a pretty good question. Getting right into the meat of it. I figured, um, I mean, let's just start hot. I was just going to ask you what your favorite color was. <laughs> Green. We're, All we're right. Now your turn. <laughs> um, no, about the trout, man. I would like to preface this with saying um, I'm not a scientist. Uh, I'm not above thinking that there's some aspects or angles that I haven't considered or statistics or reports that I've not read. Um, so this is a, uh, a malleable opinion, I guess. I would, I'd be willing to hear I like that. other angles and other aspects to this um but i don't i don't think i'm opposed dropping it to two if if some if the dms saw numbers that said hey you know we need to drop this to two force a little too much i'm in favor of protecting the fishery um with that being said i've said it before on this podcast i, I think a slot it needs to happen uh on a trout i think slots are a good thing for um the longevity of the fishery so, uh, the slot would be great. To answer your question, perfect fix, um, a slot, that, that'd be the end of the all. But, at the same time, any, any efforts to improve or protect a fishery in the long game, uh, I'm in favor of it. So, you remember like, what was it, 2015 or, or 2016 or something? Yep. When they had the moratorium on trout? I do. I do remember. The, um, the year after, for, for us, was epic trout fishing. It stunk that people couldn't keep trout for a while. But, uh, you know, grin and bear, the moratorium or the lower limit, and the fishery bounces back. So I think it could be really, really good for, you know, later on. Um but yeah, you won't be able to keep poor trout anymore. So, and uh, I'm ashamed to admit that I don't know enough about the numbers right now. Like I haven't read many reports on why they're thinking this or why they want to do this. Um, I'm also fortunate to to not have a large um, kill all clientele basis. So we we keep some fish. Don't get me wrong. I'm not extreme in, in either direction um, as far as like killing or or catch and release. But 
uh, I hope and pray that uh, we won't fill, um, you know, less phone calls because you only keep two. So I don't know. Is that long-winded answer to your question? No, um, that's a good answer, and I, I agree with you, man. I, I'm I'm right there with you. I I, I want to put the the fish first, and I would love for all my clients to want to let every fish go. I'm all about keeping fish, you know, eating them if if you're going to eat them right then, right? You know that that next couple of days, don't freeze them. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like as guides, man, it's it's our time to rise up. Like I'm a I'm a firm believer that I feel like one out of every five clients, if you push them and told them why you wanted to let fish go, they'd be completely okay with it. I feel like yeah. it could be a stumbling block for guides. Instagram just wanting to post your kill picture of your limit of trout or your limit of redfish every day. You know, it's like I got I did it. I need to show everybody that I do it. And then all of a sudden, you know, if you can catch a limit every day. You want to kill a limit so that you can show that that full limit. I mean, I, I just urge any person listening to this, you know, if you're wanting to drive business or drive, you know, traffic to a social media platform or something like that, find creative ways to still show that you're catching a limit of trout but not having to kill them. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I've got a lot of clients, too, that like to eat fish and keep fish, but, you know, say it's, say it's four or five people. I, I would say a lot of times guides potentially are throwing down more fish than those people actually need to keep to eat. Or really, if you explain to them, they'd be happy to just keep a few less. So find creative ways. You know, one thing you can do is just like bass fishing, put a few in the live well, take a cool picture with with a handful of fish and let them go. Yeah, maybe it's still not the healthiest option, but there's a chance that those fish can survive better than if you actually kill them. Or, you know, do do a count on your Instagram story. Like, you know, number one, number four, number eight. Like, oh, another limit in an hour. You know what I mean? Like, all this sounds cheesy, but I'm just thinking about the fish. I'm thinking about the amount of fish that are probably killed just so that there can be a limit of dead fish on a boat for a picture. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. And how many of those fish, um, go to waste? How many of them get ate and how many go to waste? Um, and I'm, I'm the pot called my kettle black. I right now in my freezer is two trout fillets. Um, long story short, I've been, didn't plan on keeping him. I'm like, well, I've got to keep him. He's going to die. And now he's in my freezer, probably freezer burn. So that's, and that's the shame of it is, is you kill them and you freeze them and then they never get ate. Right. And that animal had to die for nothing. For sure. That so, animal could have created more animals. Just, just be creative. If you, I mean, that, that's the biggest argument. Cause I've, I've had a full gamut of all kinds of clients you know, full on a hundred percent. They're going to, they've released every fish they've caught for the last 20 years and people that really want to fill the cooler up. And, and I, I, I know, you know, different guides get different types of clientele, but a lot of clients, if you sit there and take the time to explain to them, you know, why they should release fish and why you don't want to kill fish and still give them the option don't guilt them mm-hmm. into not keeping them, but just teach them. Mm-hmm. They're gonna they're gonna be willing to let them go, and then get creative about your Instagram post to drive more business. That's what I'm saying as a, as a guide, as someone who's running a social media platform, as a recreational angler that's that's active on social media. It's just a, I don't know. I just hate for you know the bragging board to be the reason that fish are being killed. Post all you yeah. want, but but don't. Don't don't kill a couple extra fish to lay in that picture just so that it looks so people know you caught a limit. You know, it's almost yeah, a pride I thing. And I, I'm saying this from a place of totally being there and being that guy. Uh, not, mm-hmm. um, it's definitely you know a pride thing of like a lot of times you want people to know you caught the fish when you're 
you know, you can write it off in your head in so many ways, but yeah, it's, I uh, agree. It's, it's a slippery slope for sure. Yeah. I don't think, uh, this is, at least for me, recreational fishing, I didn't realize the responsibility to be a steward. And again, as a guide, the responsibility to be an educator, um, and I don't even think I have anything to do with being a guy, just an avid fisherman that spends a lot of time in the water. I think whether you like it or not, uh, a responsibility comes with it. Um, to be a good steward of the fishery and to, and to be an educator um, to people who may not know. Um, so but I didn't realize that existed uh, until, you know, you're, you're doing it. I'm like, oh, man, um, you know, that it, there's an obligation there. To, to be a steward of the fishery sure. and then to educate, I think at least personal opinion. No, one hundred percent. It's it's just the way that it plays out. Um, you know, you got new people in your boat every day, and, and it's just a good platform to teach people um, mm-hmm. and to to show them a good time, along with you know teach them how to be responsible out on the water. So, um, well, that was yeah. a good first ten minute question. Are we gonna? Should we just <laughs> yeah. keep rocking out conservation questions, or should we play the game we were originally gonna play? You call it, man. I'm no, following along. You call it. I went first. You, was, you man, ask the next concept. question, and then that that t- <laughs> that takes the direction of the conversation. I did. I actually, um, I had a conservation ish question. Um, I was drinking my coffee this morning, reading a few uh, fishy things online on the interwebs, and I'm seeing a lot about sharks in other places. Obviously, in like the tarpon scene and the bridge fishing and stuff. But I started to apply it to our fishery and, and kind of wonder, which leads me to my, my first question. Um, do you see a problem with sharks in your fishery or, or in North Carolina in general? As far um, as killing fish or eating, like, um, yeah, what like, would the problem it, be? Say you just talked about putting this fish in, in your live well for the picture, which stresses them, and then you let them go. Do you think your, your fish are getting sharks or... Like, I know I've, I've had trout get sharked in, like, inland areas, but um, I don't think I've ever had a redfish get sharked. So, do you think that, um, do you think there's a problem with sharks in our area? Like, whether it be letting that fish go and then it getting killed, or while you're fighting it and it getting killed, or, or have you ever seen any shark problem so in North I- Carolina? I would say I haven't visibly laid my eyes many times on fish that I'm releasing getting sharked. Is it happening later on? The fish is, you know, lethargic for the next few hours and, and you know, more likely to be killed by a predator? Absolutely. I'm sure it happens, especially trout fishing in the fall with dolphins. Um, probably not sharks, but dolphins in that scenario. I have had a redfish sharked. It was actually in North Carolina down the lower Cape River. It was actually one of the sickest things I've ever seen. <laughs> um the guy we were bait fishing. The guy threw a counter rig right up on the grass. He he hooked a redfish. Has gets the redfish about ten feet out of the water or ten feet off the bank. All of a sudden, the redfish comes flying out of the water, like five to eight feet out of the water, tumbling and flipping with a black tip, like a hundred pound or eighty pound black tip, right underneath it. That came like two feet out of the water. So he just came up from like we're 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 spot locked in like eight to ten feet of water. And we're fishing mm-hmm. up to like a foot of water on the bank. The shark eats, you know, tries to eat the fish in between. So he had a lot of room to get under that fish and come up and smack it. And 
So he smack, he, he flips that redfish, completely misses it. The redfish hits the water and just screams drag off the reel like I've never seen a 25-inch redfish do in my life. And just lawn darted in the grass. Just like he, he knew where the bank was. He's like, I'm going to lawn dart in the grass, which shows on higher water why those fish are so adamant and want to be right up against that grass. Like he knew, okay, that's a shark. If I get up in the grass, if I get on the edge of the grass, I can be away from that predator. Um, that's right where he went to, and he hung out there. And I was like, dude, just let the fish sit there. And he, the guy opened his bail, let the fish sit there for like probably three or four minutes. And um, we start, I'm like, all right, bring him out of the, and the fish was like in the water, you know, just laid up in that grass resting. And I was like, all right, try to bring him in really quick, start reeling. He gets him about halfway back to the boat, and the shark just smokes him right under the surface. So that shark uh-huh. was just hanging out there waiting for, you know, five minutes to, to make something happen. I've had it happen to black drum sometimes in some areas, you know, some rock piles and stuff on the river around deeper water, but I would mm-hmm. not say it's an issue, you know, as to where I've bridge fished for tarpon down in marathon or on the seven mile bridge or up in, you know, up there in, uh, Isla Morado on some of the bridges and had, had tarpon, you know, had sharks on tarpon multiple times quickly within hooking the fish. So yeah. I, I think, you know, one, it's clear water Two or one, it's, there's more sharks potentially at, at most times of year, there's more sharks there. And two, mm-hmm. the clear water, the sharks can see something going on from much further away and come mm-hmm. be active. Cause we've got plenty of sharks in shore, but I think that it's, it's so much more scent based hunting for them in our dirtier water that we have here in North Carolina than visually hunting in the shallow inshore yeah. water. Does that make sense? I think it does. And also, like, the reason you, I think you hear about tarpon um, down there is that fight is so much longer. Like, if you're fighting a redfish for more than two minutes, something's up. <laughs> you know, even on the fly, like, I don't, I, we don't have three to five minute fights, whereas it's not uncommon at all with those tarpon. For sure. That, I think that plays into um, the whole shark problem, too. But I'm with you. I don't. I don't see a shark problem here either. But it got my wheel spinning uh, this morning a little bit. I've noticed a porpoise problem, or not a porpoise, but a dolphin. You know what I mean? Uh, more than I have a shark. I I've agree. had that kill my bike multiple times. For sure. Yeah, moving into an area and and kind of shutting things down. I would agree. No, do you I, leave? If I yeah, if I'm fishing an area and dolphins roll into like the immediate area, I'm definitely gone. Yeah. Same. So. It just, yeah, yeah it, it ends it. Definitely ends it. If I'm fishing a jig, you can bet it's going to be an iStrike Texas Eye. Dave and Ralph at iStrike have built the most versatile and durable lineup of jigs in the saltwater industry. Whether you need a finesse presentation on spooky wintertime redfish, or you need to hop a big swim bait on deep water structure for cobia and bull redfish, iStrike has the jig for you. Be sure to check out their website and use code EC10 for up to 40% off all iStrike products and 10% off all Z-Man products. The code can only be used at iStrikeFishing.com and you can find the code and the link to their website in the podcast show notes. There is no stealthier platform to fish the shallow water flats, creeks, and marshes than a pedal drive kayak. The P-127 from Bonafide is my choice when I want to get out on a solo trip and access the areas that I can't get to on a flat skiff or a bay boat. 
It happens far too often in a boat where I have redfish and plenty of water in the back of a creek or bay, but there's a sandbar or series of sandbars between me and the fish and I just can't quite make it to casting distance. But with a kayak, I can drag across the sandbar right to them. Be sure to check out the full lineup of Bonafide Kayaks on the website or at Hook, Line, and Paddle here in Wilmington. I will have a link to the Bonafide website in the show notes as well. Yeah, not quite as good of a question. But oh, a great question. Hot topic on my mind this morning. My next but, question um, for you, Ozzy. You ready? Oh, gosh. We're towards the end of the summer. Yeah. We've got fall and winter ahead of us. Um, yeah. We've still got great late summer, early fall red fishing. What are you most looking forward to before the end of January as far as fishing goes? Uh, wearing a hoodie. Oh, that's a good I answer. I can't wait to I can't wait to put a hoodie uh put a hoodie on for that first chilly ride out. I know it's not anything about the fishery, but a uh, big boy like myself tired of sweating. Um now on the fishing side of things, man, um I have really high hopes for our trout this year. We had a pretty good summer on trout fishing. Like unusual, like unusually good trout fishing. Um so I'm hoping maybe there's a few resident fish before the migratory population gets here and that could be a recipe for some really good um trout fishing. The migratory push last year kind of sucked, honestly. Yeah. In the southern part of the state. I felt like it was good for, like, a handful of days. Um, I I was sitting – it didn't last as long as what I hoped for. And even deep winter, like, I was like, man, this is – we're having to travel further than what we normally would to get on a good trout bite. I didn't think it was that good last like late fall right right right. Um, for sure so i'm hoping you know based on what i've seen this summer that uh that won't be the case outside of trout fishing uh which i'm i'm a big big trout head i love spike fishing but man i, I just that that's my first love um with trout fishing for for big trout outside of that uh i'm excited for throwing popping corks and big flies for bull red fish uh, right okay. before fall. Those are probably the two things I'm yeah, and wearing a hoodie. Um, that's, that's about it, I think. What about you? What are you most looking forward to? Wearing a hoodie, for sure. I, I know the first couple of times I wear a hoodie, it's like as soon as I come off plane, i got to be taking that joker off. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like feels really good running, but it is definitely just being being still outside. Um, and yeah. September such a tease, man. Like You feel like, like the word September – sounds like fall, you know, and you think, you think <laughs> fall and it's like a hundred and freaking three degrees. So it's, yeah. uh, it, it, it does. I think what really brings me back to fall in September is like, all right, hunting starting. We can goose hunt, we can dove hunt, we can bow hunt for deer. So it's, it's nice to get back in the woods, get a little, little bit of a reprieve from fishing every day. Not to say that in like a, in a non-thankful or way, you know, I love being able to fish every day. I love my job, but I do really like being in the woods. And I think, taking a break from anything you'd love and do a lot is it gives you a good perspective. Um, except so, maybe not your wife. Don't take for, a break from yes, being. except for your <laughs> wife. Um, so I would, I would say, I would say a little break from fishing 
always gets me really excited to fish again. You know what I mean? Just a little bit of break, let the seasons change a little bit. Uh, but as far as just like you, I am so ready for trout fishing. Uh, there's a lot yeah. of new areas I want to look at this year. Um, and I'm excited with the new sprinter van that I'm building out to be able to go and like leave the night before, after we put the kids to bed, drive up somewhere, crash in the sprinter van and fish. I really want to do some fishing in Virginia this year. Want to get up and fish. Yeah. So if anyone's listening to this podcast and likes to trout fish in Virginia, and wants a friend to come up and fish with them, hit me up. I would love to come up and, and trout fish, uh, you know, late summer, early fall in Virginia. Some, um, yeah, be sick. but just, yeah, just, I just love the, I think any, anything fishing hunting wise, the reason I have fallen so in love with bird hunting is just like the exploration of it. Just like trying to check mm-hmm. out new stuff fishing wise. Um, so, mm-hmm. so trout fishing, yep. throwing a DOA every day again. Dude. Yeah. That, <laughs> you and the DOAs. Um, Speaking of DOAs, uh, whatever happened to that weight loss competition where we were going to get a red flake DOA tattoo? Oh, Whoever gosh. didn't lose enough weight. We need to look. We've said it on record now. It's got to happen. Yeah. I still, I think I might just get a red flake DOA tattoo. It sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> Not as a punishment, just <laughs> for fun. We're going to have to come up with a new um, Now, I, I'm with you on the, um, I wanted to touch on the break. Um, you, you can see, like, professional athletes take breaks from training and stuff, and then they're reinvigorated once they get back into it. Uh, but that goes into what we were talking about earlier with, like, the rain and stuff. Like, as a young guy, uh, not that I'm super senior or anything, but when I was greener, I would stress out about, like, bad weather coming in. And, like, I might be off the water for a day or, or two or something, um, especially in the windier times of year. Um but I've learned to take the highs and the lows. Like, I don't look forward to it necessarily. Like, I'm not like, oh, I get to not be on the water because, like you said, I love being out there. Um, but you just kind of take the highs and lows. Like, all right, well, I can do my 100-hour service today and um, whatever needs to be done around the house. And those little breaks, like today is a great example. I was able to sit down and drink coffee and you read some reports and chatted with my buddies and whatnot. So that those breaks, I used to stress about them, but now it's kind of like you take them in stride. Right. You right. know, it's kind of nice watching it rain outside and, and chilling. Um, and then tomorrow I'm going to be super fired up and excited on the way to the ramp. So heck yeah, I, I totally agree with that point. Yeah. I like how you scaled it out to even just like little day breaks. Um, and- yeah. And whatnot, and and this applies more to maybe fishing guides or people who are are, are fishing, you know, and, and fishing on a very regular basis. But but in, in the defense of that, it's like you know, if you're only a weekend warrior, then that week is your break. It's your time to recharge and refire up and really get excited to get out and fish that that upcoming weekend and and whatnot. So, you know, any anything that is your job to to you know any job is a blessing. And, and to, to be able to work and, and provide for, for a family or for yourself, uh, and, and, but keeping the right mindset, you're going to, you're going to get burnt out on anything you do consistent, like every day. So you, you got to yep. look at the blessings of it. You got to look at the, the positives of it and, and make sure that you're, you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I think you said something similar. One of our very first conversations, I want to say, um, like, I, I was a brand-new guy, like, my first winter. 
and um, I think we went bird hunting together or something. All right, first time I met you, though, and we were we were walking through this field, and I, of course, young guy, you've been doing it for a while, had a flood of questions like, "What about this? What about this?" And one of the questions I had for you is like, "Hey man, how do you got how do you guard against burnout? Like, what is that a thing? It's hard to fathom because I love what I do, but like, is, is that something you?" You guard against, and um, you said something very similar to what we're talking about. Like, man, you just be super thankful that you get to do what you're doing, and, and be thankful that you're out here in, in this beautiful creation, and take it in stride when you know, take breaks, and take it in stride when you're when you're not doing it. Uh, obviously, paraphrasing what you said, but for whatever reason, that stuck with me, and definitely try to be that way now. Like, you know, it's raining today, but I'm gonna get after it tomorrow. So. For sure, man. I think that, that it's uh, – and that was all just shared to me as well. And um, you just see a lot of burnout fishing guides. And, um, you do. A, a lot of – like it's such a – it's an industry where people just complain and whine about what's going on so much, which, I, I mean, in return, I could – a conversation I've had multiple times before is it's a very selfish pursuit if you let it be. You know, being a fishing guide, being on the water every day, traveling with the seasons, it, it can be, you can very easily make your whole life about yourself. It, it, and that is where burnout comes from. If it's all about you, mm -hmm. if you're not doing it for someone else, you know, or for a bigger purpose or, uh, you know, doing it for your clients, doing it for the Lord, doing it for, you know, for any reason other than yourself, you're going to get burnt out on it. And, yep. and I think that's that for me, that is where, uh, where I have to come back to is just aligning myself and being like, this is a blessing, you know, because it, it is so easy to make it all about yourself, you know, just, oh, yeah. I don't know. No, I agree. So that's a good way to put it. I don't know who's up on the questions either. I think I'm up. I think I'm up. Maybe you're up. Okay. Do you have a question ready? Because I don't. Yeah, I can ask you one. Okay. This is coming away from conservation a little bit. That's fine. I just, um, whatever you had ready. What is the most underrated species that swims in North Carolina? Most underrated species. Okay. Yep. So like a species that people sleep on. Yeah. Yep. What's the sleeper species? Hmm. I, I, it doesn't have anything to do with right now, but but nearshore tog fishing in the winter. Ooh, um, that's a good one. Yeah, nearshore tog fishing in the winter. No one does it, and they're absolutely delicious. They're migratory. You could and and they're they're hard to catch, but you're fishing mud crabs and fiddler crabs on nearshore structure, jetties, you know, wrecks, rock piles, ARs, and they're really fun to catch. They pull hard. They're like little nearshore grouper. You can catch them on light rods on on crabs, and they're super fun to catch. Um, you catch, you, you might bump into sheep's head, black drum, redfish while you're crab fishing out there in the winter too. But tog, man, like people don't even really realize we have them. That, and I, uh, I like fishing for those a lot. I wish I did it more, but I don't. Yeah. What, I do you, think, what uh, would your answer be? Oh man. Tough. Um, I always say black drum is underrated. Agreed. But. I mean, you, I say that, but drive under any bridge, there's going to be nine boats tied up to it. So yeah, that's maybe true. it's not as underrated as I think. Maybe in my world of 
speckled trout and flat fishing. It's underrated. Um, but I, I don't, if you post a nice black drum and then post a nice red fish, I don't think that black drum gets as much love as it should. Yeah, that's a good way to, to put it. The love it, a red fish gets or a, or a citation trout gets. That's very true. Um, I don't know, man. I would probably go to ladyfish. You give me a school of busting ladyfish and a nine weight or an eight weight, I mean, that's a ton of fun, dude. Yeah, they're they're fun fish. They pull so hard, they jump. They're they're really strong too, and they move so fast, man. They if you see them blowing up, they look like albies a lot of times until you get up close to them. Just such aggressive clubs. Yeah, I agree. But um, we also have um, uh, pompano. Yes, like, pompano. That, that's a ton of fun. They are fun and you fish. can do it from the beach. You don't even have to drop your boat. Yeah, you can so, catch them on foot. Yeah, that's and that's sick. That that that'll take you back before you know before anybody had boats. I can remember walking through the woods to fish these creeks before there was like houses and stuff, and like catching fish and bringing them up onto the bank. And well, pompano fishing can remind you of that. You know, you're not in a boat. You don't have thousands of dollars of electronics and, and equipment around you. It's just walking down the beach with the spinning rod. Right. Pretty cool. No, that is that um, is super cool. That is super, super but cool. But only, only – uh, sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, you're good. You're good. Keep going. Um, on the note about the fog, I think that is uh, one of the beauties of North Carolina is that we have northern species and southern species. 100%. Like that. It's a that's grand what makes middle the, ground. Yeah, that's what makes it like unique. Um, make the tog come in, but we also have a lot of southern warm water fish that come in. We have striper, it's a northern species, but you know, you look at any report, like people are catching tarpon off their peers. Um, so uh, there's there's it's a beautiful thing that we have in North Carolina to have hot water species and cold water species. It's For sure. really really cool. Our variety is is second to none. The melting pot of the East Coast. Yeah, that should be uh, that should be on the sign coming down ninety five. The Angler's Melting well, Pot of the East Coast. Yeah, we're not the Sportsman's Paradise or anything like that. Uh, who is that? Louisiana That's Sportsman's Louisiana. Paradise. Yeah, we'll be Angler's Melting Pot. The Angler's Melting Pot. Um, I'll take it. No, I'll take it too. All right, I got one more question to close out with, and uh, I'm excited to hear your answer. Your favorite piece of clothing for each season. So clothing gear. So like, give, <laughs> give me your give me your summer go to piece of gear, and give me your. Well, we'll just do two: summer and winter. So cold, cold, cold water or cold temperature piece of gear and warm temperature piece of gear. Okay. Let me think on it. Summer's my flop, man. I look forward to getting back in flop. You're still a young boy. Uh, I know you're old man over here. I, I wear my you, flops every day uh, though, but it's—I don't know why. Because my back—I'm literally sitting here like writhing in my chair right now, to my because my back's hurting so bad. Um, I saw you fishing in your tennis shoes a while back. I was like, man, what is this old man worried about back support? <laughs> <laughs> nah. <laughs> um, yeah, I look forward to just flipping the flops on. That's that's a silly one. Um, is there a specific pair of flops you wear? So I used to be rocking Olakai's, but my wife got me, um, I call them my Apostle Pauls, man. They look like Jesus sandals, uh, like two straps, you know, 
Oh, Not like yeah. typical slot. Like, yeah, so I've been rocking my little two straps. Uh, I think they're by Reef. I think Reef makes them. Like, uh, and I'm like Jerusalem cruisers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got my Jerusalem cruisers. I've been rocking this summer. Um, I'm pretty uh, unorganized and, and sometimes forget, forget to do laundry. So in the winter, I'm like, why well, do I have four socks and none of them match? But in the summer, I just wake up and slide my flops on. Do your flops stink uh, as bad as mine do? Yeah, dude. They don't stay in the house. Yeah, they, they, they live on the porch, dog. Yeah, they're dude. Flops are the stinkiest of all shoes, honestly. Yeah, for sure. They're bad. Those bands just right up old there with my. Sweat. Yeah, my Crocs do too. Yeah, Crocs are gnarly. Um, an extra tough after a season. Would, one season. Yep, one season. What's your winter? Uh, what's your winter time? gear piece what do people need to be going online and buying and we're talking about clothing not like gear on my boat right yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're talking about like an article of of clothing that is worn on your body or sunglasses it could my, be anything. my bibs your bibs what are your what bibs do you wear grunden god choice or something. grunden god professional series or something like that nice and i got the the bibs and the um the um jacket that goes with it and uh, father-in-law actually got me that because uh, I was going to buy like some sins or something <laughs> and he got me these uh, Grunden bibs and a jacket for some birthday or holiday or something and um, he was like you know I was I was thinking about what to get you and I knew it was going to be some foul weather you know, like bibs or whatever and uh, I looked at Sim and I looked at something else he looked at, like a typical, like Corvus or something. And um, he's like, "You just, you seem like a Grundens guy." He's like, "You, you, you definitely fly this. You do that quite a bit." But you also have a cast net on your Poland skiff. He's like, "This Grundens seem to fit you a little better." I was like, "That's super thoughtful." That is really thoughtful. <laughs> what a sweet guy. Um, but uh, it was funny. He's like, "You, <laughs> you didn't seem like a Sims guy." And I'm like. Uh, thank you, I think. <laughs> hey, but, everyone's got to find their own place, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess I'm a Grundens guy. So you um, heard it here first, guys. Ozzy is now a Grundens guy. Yeah. He hates Sims. He hates Patagonia. He he hates uh, AFCO, Free Fly. He's, an, he's a Grundens guy. Yeah, I'm probably painting myself in a quarter. I don't wear that uh, Patagucci. That ain't me. <laughs> Patagazillionaire. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But, uh, well, cool, I man. Don't put enough. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, I think yeah. we got a little lag, roll. man. We got a little lag. Well, you got to answer those two questions before we jump off. For me, summertime would be a my, these free fly breeze shorts that I wear every day. Oh, my gosh. They're, uh-huh. they're, they're like just the best. They're just so comfortable. It's almost like you're naked. Um, but you have to wear underwear <laughs> underneath them because it is definitely, if you don't, people are going to know what's up. And then wintertime would be my, probably my, I don't know. Okay. So this is one, this is one for the people. I love, I love my bibs. I wear, I live in bibs from like, you know, between hunting and fishing from like middle of October until the end of April, really probably or yeah. end of March. But these gloves that my buddy Jeff, y'all know Jeff if you listen to the podcast for a while, um, turned me on to. They're called Kinkos. They're a popular 
snowboarding and skiing glove out west, but they're leather, and you put this oil on them, and you bake them in the oven. But I've got mitts, and so they're my running gloves. So, like, in the dead of winter when it's really freaking cold, I wear these these Kinko gloves, and, I mean, not a lick of breeze gets through them. And so that's what I'm wearing when I'm making, you know, longer runs um, from A to B. Even, you know, 10-minute runs, I'll slide those things on. They're easy to get on. They're really, really, really warm, and they're they're like a legit leather glove, and they're only like fifteen bucks or twenty bucks, but they're like what everyone out oh, west. Wow. They're only like, they're like what everyone out west wears, at most thirty bucks, for like a legit Dang. pair of leather gloves that are waterproof. So that's my my go to. That's pretty good. I forgot about my gloves. I rock Afco gloves. I thought but you I might were have to look into guy. these. I know. I'm uh, I'm also a hypocrite apparently. <laughs> well, at least you know, Ozzy. At least you know. Yeah. Because Look, until somebody signs me, <laughs> <laughs> until somebody signs me a good deal with a bunch of free clothes, I'm gonna be missing that. Hey, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Well, Ozzy, any words of wisdom you want to leave everybody with? You've always got a good little saying. What's the latest one? Oh man, I don't, I put me on the spot. I always ponder these things. And what's the pony thing that like we were I'm, saying the other day? Oh, I wish I could remember. I know. I've been trying to remember it, too. It was so good. Something to the equivalent of, like, let that dog hunt. Let but the, I don't remember. Let the ponies out of the out of the pasture and let them run. <laughs> let your ponies run. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> it was so good in the moment. It was relevant. It was, it was hilarious. I don't remember it. Though. It's one of those just laughs keep... that will just be, like, just, just forgotten, unfortunately. <laughs> And they say something cheesy like, oh, it's tight lines and clear skies, brother. Tight lines and clear skies, guys. So thanks for checking out another episode of Eastern Current. Ozzy, thanks for hanging out with me this morning. And uh, you yeah, guys man. will see y'all next week. Later. See ya. If you're anything like me, you like a clean boat. That's why I've chosen to partner with Carolina First Mate out of South Carolina. Carolina First Mate is a family-owned business that provides environmentally friendly boat cleaning alternatives. My two favorite products are their hole cleaner that doesn't harm your trailer and their boat wash. Be sure to use code EC15 for 15% off your online purchase. If you're interested in checking out all their products, you can find a link to their website in the podcast show notes.